This is day 200 of our daily Bible reading plan. We've come a long way, haven't we? If you've made it this far, congratulations. Today we are going to read Luke chapters 20 through 24, which will complete the book of Luke. Lord Jesus, we come to you with such joy today. We come to you with peace and understanding that you are sovereign. You love us, and you are for our good. Lord, you are so mighty and so amazing, and we are so insignificant in your sight. And yet, Lord, you've given us compassion, and you've given us hope. We thank you, Lord, for your Son who died for our sins, and who gave us his righteousness so that we can be clean in your sight. We thank you for the unique privilege to spend time in your word today. And please bless the reading of it. In Jesus' name, amen. On one of the days while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted him, and they spoke, saying to him, Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, or who is the one who gave you this authority? Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you a question, and you tell me. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? They reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say, From heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say, From men, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, Nor will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey for a long time. At the harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers so that they would give him some of the produce of the vineyard. But the vine growers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he proceeded to send another slave, and they beat him also and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he proceeded to send a third, and this one also they wounded and cast out. The owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the vine growers saw him, they reasoned with one another, saying, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy these vine growers and give the vineyard to others. When they heard it, they said, May it never be. But Jesus looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. The scribes and the chief priests tried to lay hands on him that very hour, and they feared the people, for they understood that he spoke this parable against them. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous in order that they might catch him in some statement 
so that they could deliver him to the rule and the authority of the governor. They questioned him, saying, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly, and you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he detected their trickery and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. They were unable to catch him in a saying in the presence of the people, and being amazed at his answer, they became silent. Now there came to him some of the Sadducees, who say that there is no resurrection. And they questioned him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he is childless, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died childless, and the second and the third married her. And in the same way, all seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died also. In the resurrection, therefore, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot even die any more, because they are like angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, where he called the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living for all live to him. Some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well. For they did not have courage to question him any longer about anything. Then he said to them, How is it that they say the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore David calls him Lord, and how is he his son? And while all the people were listening, he said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes, who like to walk around in long robes, and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces, and chief seats in the synagogues, and places of honor at banquets who devour widows' houses, and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, For they all, out of their surplus, put into the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. 
And while some were talking about the temple, that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, And for these things which you are looking at, the days will come in which there will not be left one stone upon another, which will not be torn down. They questioned him, saying, Teacher, when therefore will these things happen? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See to it that you are not misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes, and in various places plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are days of vengeance so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword, and they will be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, Straighten up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Behold, the fig tree and all the trees, as soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away 
until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard, so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will not come on you suddenly, like a trap, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. Now during the day he was teaching in the temple, but at evening he would go out and spend the night on the mount that is called Olivet. And all the people would get up early in the morning to come to him in the temple to listen to him. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might put him to death, for they were afraid of the people. And Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. And he went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. They were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented, and began seeking a good opportunity to betray him to them apart from the crowd. Then came the first day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, so that we may eat it. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, When you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant of my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who was going to do this thing. And there arose also a dispute among them 
as to which one of them was regarded to be greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. And he said to them, When I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? They said, No, nothing. And he said to them, But now, whoever has a money belt is to take it along, likewise also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. For I tell you that this which is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with transgressors. And that which refers to me has its fulfillment. They said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. And he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow, and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, behold, A crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them cut the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. 
But Jesus answered and said, Stop! No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come against him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? While I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. Having arrested him, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, You are one of them too. And Peter said, Man, I am not. After about another hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him. And they blindfolded him and were asking him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who hit you? And they were saying many other things against him, blaspheming. When it was day, the council of elders of the people assembled, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council chamber, saying, If you are the Christ, tell us. And he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe, and if I ask a question, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, Yes, I am. Then they said, What further need do we have of testimony? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation, and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, It is as you say. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they kept on insisting, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. When Pilate heard it, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod 
who himself also was in Jerusalem at that time. Now Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus, for he had wanted to see him for a long time, because he had been hearing about him and was hoping to see some sign performed by him. And he questioned him at some length, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes were standing there, accusing him vehemently. And Herod went with his soldiers, after treating him with contempt and mocking him, dressed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. Now Herod and Pilate became friends with one another that very day, for before they had been enemies with each other. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. Now he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. But they cried out all together, saying, Away with this man, and release for us Barabbas. He was one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection made in the city, and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify! Crucify him! And he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent, with loud voices asking that he be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. And he released the man they were looking for, who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, but he delivered Jesus to their will. When they had led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country, and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of the people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were being led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
and they cast lots, dividing up his garments amongst themselves. And the people stood by, looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. And a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, he had not consented to their plan and action, a man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock, where no one had ever lain. It was the preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed, and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified in bowing their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one? among the dead. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, 
saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the tomb, and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, along with other women with them, who were also telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem, and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and in all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also, some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning, and did not find his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things, and to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses, and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he was going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he broke the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, 
and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising God. Congratulations for finishing the book of Luke. And we are now done with the synoptic gospels, the three gospels that accompany each other with very similar stories and eyewitness statements. There were a few things in Luke that were expanded upon that we don't see in the other two. So I'm going to spend a couple minutes just to talk about a couple that stood out to me that are definitely something we should walk away with. So in chapter 21, he gives the future events that are coming. And there were a few that were a little bit different from what the other two heard and reported. And when it came down to verse 12, where he talks about what's going to happen to true believers in Jesus, this one really stood out to me today. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. This one's familiar, right? But what's interesting about this is that when you're proclaiming the name of Christianity, they're going to deliver you to the synagogues. Now, they understood that in their own way of being, in, they were going to be persecuted too, right? This happened, we see in the book of Acts, that many Christians 
were suffering persecution during those days, even from a man named Saul, who was later going to become the Apostle Paul. So yes, this was directly fulfilled in that way, but at the same time also, it is fulfilled in us. We don't necessarily belong to synagogues, but we also belong to churches. And there will be churches that will betray the Lord. And we will be delivered to them and be judged by them. Especially nowadays when you see so many churches out there totally deceived and totally following the patterns of the world rather than the things of God. Those are the ones that are going to call us out. And then we will also have to stand before authorities and give an account of ourselves. And I like what he says in verse 13, because this one is different. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So these things will happen to you in persecution and getting before authorities in a way to reach them. And I thought that's very interesting. Yes, we may suffer in the meantime, but why are we doing it? Because of who we believe in, first of all, but also God will use that as an opportunity to share the gospel. Very interesting. Verse 14, so make up your mind not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. For I will give you an utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. So it's not that we're not supposed to study apologetics. It's not that we're supposed to not study the Word of God. But what he's talking about is not to rehearse certain things to say in the moment. Because it says clearly here that Jesus is going to give the Holy Spirit the words to tell us in those moments. Because before it said that the Holy Spirit was going to speak through us in those moments. But now Jesus is saying it's going to be him. Interesting. Verse 16, But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. That's why they're doing it, because of the name of Christ. They hate the name of Christ. They're okay with a sissy Jesus. They're okay with the name of God. But as soon as you invoke the true Jesus Christ of the Bible, then the world begins to resist, because it's uncomfortable to them. They squirm in the darkness because their sin and their evil is uncomfortable. And so they're going to take it out on you. So we see through the rest of it as well that there are going to be signs that these things are coming, but we're not to worry about them. They are signs or what's going to happen, but then our redemption will draw near. So we have nothing to worry about. The second one that really stood out to me was in chapter 22, verse 31 where Jesus is addressing Peter. Simon, Simon. When Usually when you see the names next to each other like that, that is a sign of intimacy, somebody who knows you very well. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. He knows there's something special about Peter. And he knows that there's something powerful that's going to happen through Peter. Peter is going to be the one who basically starts the first church in the Pentecost. He's going to be the first one to stand up and speak, and thousands of people are going to get saved. So yes, he is a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of God. And Satan knows it, and he's trying to stop him. Well, what does Jesus say? 
I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So first of all, Jesus prayed for him, which is really neat. And he prayed a specific prayer. So that's something to note, that we need to pray for specific things. He prayed that his faith may not fail. And then he says, once you have turned again. What does he mean by that? Well, we see in the book of John, which we're going to get into, is that after he betrays Jesus, there's a time where Jesus approaches him and asks him three times, Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? And it makes Peter very uncomfortable because he knows exactly what he did, and he remembers how he betrayed him, and he's ashamed of himself. And he's like, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so we see that is the coming back. He is returning at that time. And he says, when that happens, you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Be the leader, basically. You are going to be the leader of this people. You are not the Pope. You are not anything other than an apostle, but you are going to lead the charge. Have the strength to do it. So I thought that was interesting, because you don't see that in the other ones. Now, I don't really know what this means, because I was looking at it, and I was boggled as to what this meant. But this wasn't in the other ones either. When, in verse 35, Jesus asks them, When I sent you away without money or a bag or sandals, you didn't lack anything, did you? And they said, no, they didn't. But now, whoever has a money belt is to take it, along with all your other stuff, And whoever has no sword is to go buy one. I thought that was very interesting what he's saying here, but I really don't know what he means by that. So before, Jesus was instructing his disciples to travel light and to depend on hospitality, which is what we saw, because when you go into someone's house, stay there the whole time and only get whatever people give you. But now he said that, They need to protect themselves and provide for themselves. And then they said that there were two swords already there, and Jesus said it was enough. I'm not really sure what that meant. Now, if there really were two swords, one of them was the one that Peter had, the one that he struck the guy with, but we don't know about the other one. But maybe he's saying it is enough, as in the two swords are enough, or is he saying that the conversation's over? And we're changing gears. I don't know. See, that's why I'm very interested as to what this had to say. But he's saying that you need to defend yourselves, perhaps. That there will be a time where I'm not going to be with you any longer. I will be with you in spirit. But you need to learn to defend yourself. And I can think of maybe that being apologetics. To where, like Peter says, you need to know how to defend your faith. And maybe that's what it means, or if it means that you need to have a real sword with you and self-defense, I mean, I'm not really sure. So that's something to definitely study, but I don't even remember this scripture last time I read the book of Luke, so it, it was interesting to me to see this, but I don't really know exactly what it means. But it's definitely something I'd like to learn. Now this time around, when we see Jesus in the garden, we see this detail that wasn't in the other ones. An angel appeared and strengthened him while he was praying. We didn't see that the other times. But secondly is, while he was in agony, he was praying so fervently 
that his sweat became like drops of blood. He was literally sweating blood out of such distress. And this is a real condition. This has been recorded in other people before under extreme situations. People have been documented to have been sweating blood. So this is not just unique to Jesus, but it's interesting how it happened at that time for us to see in the future times. But that's how seriously he was praying. He was praying for his life, quite literally. It was so severe that God had to send him an angel to help minister to him. So, very interesting. And this is also a detail we don't see the other time. When Peter, which is the one we identify in John, the one striking the high priest's servant in the ear, we don't see this and the other ones where Jesus tells him to stop and he heals the ear. We didn't see that before, but this particular event describes it. So very cool. And this is a small detail that I noticed that weren't in the other two as well, that when Peter was denying Christ three times, he must have been within the line of vision of seeing Jesus somewhere. Don't really know how that works, really, but it said that when he denied him the three times, the rooster crowed, and then the Lord turned and looked at him. And that's when he locked eyes with Jesus, and he recognized what had happened, and he wept. That was interesting. He locked eyes with Jesus when that happened, and you don't see that in the other ones. That's serious. Imagine seeing Jesus afar off and saying, like, look, what did I tell you was going to happen? You denied me three times. That would have broken my heart. And I know that you can see it in Peter, especially in the book of John we're going to see, but you get to see how devastated he was after that. He was a different man after that situation happened because he recognized how far he had fallen and that he had denied his Christ three times. But we're glad to see that Jesus forgave him. And through that, it gave him strength to stand up for what was right in the future. It was a lesson that he needed to learn to be effective later on. Another detail that we don't see is that in chapter 23, verse 6, Pilate heard that Jesus was a Galilean, so he sent him to Herod. You don't see that in the other ones. Now, the whole thing may have just seemed like a big joke to Herod. We don't really know. And so we see that he treated Jesus like it was an act of entertainment or amusement. And they didn't even really do anything with him. And so they didn't pass any sort of judgment. They just returned him to Pilate. And we see Pilate continuing to fight for Jesus' innocence, but he eventually caved. Like it said in verse 23, their voices began to prevail. He listened to the wrong voices, and he didn't stick to his guns. That's sad. He knew that he was innocent, but he allowed his, the pressures of the world to get to him. And he allowed an innocent man to be crucified because of his weakness. In verse 28, we see Jesus saying some unique things to the women that you don't see in the other ones. And then we see... The most important part of this chapter is what happens with the criminals on the cross. And we probably know the story. But what we saw in the other two Gospels was not mentioned here. 
We saw in Matthew's gospel that they were hurling abuse at him just like everybody else was. But this one says that one of them rebuked the other guy saying, do you not even fear God? We are under the same sentences as him and we are suffering because we deserved it, but he did nothing wrong. And I did a sermon about this one not too long ago. But to summarize, this is not a contradiction. These both happened. Matthew was most likely what happened at the beginning of the crucifixion, but then they were on that cross for several hours. And so later on, that other criminal was watching Jesus and seeing that he was an innocent man. And something about Jesus really caught his eye, and he ended up believing in Christ near the end of his life. Because Jesus said that, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He believed in Jesus being the Son of God. This is not a contradiction. This is not a separate event. This is not a continuity error. This is exactly what happened at different time points during the crucifixion. And probably the most fascinating part of chapter 24 that was different from the other two was the road to Emmaus story, beginning in verse 13. When he joins them, he disguises himself in such a way, not that he puts on some other clothes to where they don't recognize him, but he, through his spiritual power, was able to blind their eyes as to who he really was. And so he joined them as a normal man. And they were talking about Jesus and that they he was a prophet. They were they didn't get him as the Messiah. And what I love that Jesus did was that was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then he began with Moses and with all the prophets and explained everything about him in the scriptures. In all the scriptures, he mentioned everything about him. That must have been fascinating to participate in. He revealed everything about himself, but they still didn't get it until he broke the bread, and then they realized, oh, wait a minute, this is who he is, and then poof, he vanishes. Did he turn invisible, or did he teleport away? We don't really know, but he was no longer visible at that point, and they said, weren't our hearts burning when we were listening to this? And yet they didn't understand what was going on. Uh, I don't understand how you can't. But then again, I wasn't in their situation, so I, I can't understand it. I just find it so amazing how they spent time with Jesus. He explained everything about the Christ in the Scripture, and they didn't get it then. They saw everything lining up perfectly from the Scripture. But it wasn't until they broke the bread that he recognized Jesus. And then they get it. I don't understand, but this was all in God's design. And one day, the more I study this, the more it'll make sense, I suppose. And then lastly, things to note is whenever he appears to them, they think he's a ghost. But he says, look, look, I have my hands and my feet. They have the piercings, so it's really me. Touch me. I have a physical form, so I'm flesh and bone. And then lastly, he says, "Does is there anything to eat? And he eats something to show that he is really alive. And then we see the final conclusion of the book of Luke. Again, congratulations for making it this far. 200 days in the Word of God is a fantastic endeavor and a great achievement. I hope you've been learning something every day. Not from me, because I'm not a teacher. 
I'm just guiding you through this. But the Word of God having some sort of impact on you. Not my commentary. My commentary is just extra. You don't have to listen to it if you don't want. But the Word of God is why we're doing this. And I hope you're learning something. Because the Lord is revealing himself to us through his word. And we are going to go into some deep theology coming up here soon, going through the New Testament. So don't stop. We are doing so well, and we're getting into the meat of the New Testament here. So definitely stay strong and keep going. Don't stop. We still have the rest of the New Testament to go through before we conclude. And we're, we have so much more ground to cover. But tomorrow we will start the Gospel of John. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.